Good morning. Glad to be back. This is our first Sunday back. I didn't get to make it back last Sunday, but certainly wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be back. I planned on doing a class on uh, friends and friendship, but it just wouldn't sit right with me last night, so I threw it out the window last night and we started over. So <clears throat> This morning we're going to talk about the... Uh... Oh, okay. Uh, Mom, she's had a rough couple I guess about three weeks or so uh, besides a regular condition then she got gout in one of her feet and now she's got it in both ankles uh, she's got gallstones and then they found out the other day she's got pneumonia she was getting harder and harder breathing she thought it was just the progression of her of her heart and stuff but they found out it's pneumonia so they started her on antibiotics for that uh, she's feeling a little bit better yesterday I haven't talked to her yet this morning uh, but uh Hopefully she continues to get better from that. She sold the house, but then there was a problem with the surveying, so she's got to have it resurveyed. The people are staying there, but uh, they're going to come out 19th and resurvey it, and then she'll have all of her little things that she wanted done, done. So. Ben, <clears throat> no, we still have not been allowed to go see her at all. Uh, there are talks of in a week or two, maybe they've got common area. Where they're going to allow family to come in, uh, you got to reserve it's first come first serve. You got to stay ten feet apart. So, uh, so hopefully in a week or two, she will be able to sit down and talk with her and see her. So, but it's 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 a good thing too that she was able to be there when it did. If uh, if that had happened before, then she'd still be having to stay there at the house or something other. So, it, it it's a good and bad thing. So, but she. Uh, she is pretty bad, pretty bad spirits last week, but she's a little bit better spirits this week. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Uh, Can you only do things like send flowers? Is that allowed? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you can send cards or. I don't want to send flowers to me while they can't check your temperature over the door. Make sure you have on a mask and escort you to her room and let you visit with her. Then when you're ready to leave, call them and let them escort I don't know why they can't do that. It, it doesn't. That don't seem at all risky. It doesn't because they're not allowed to leave the room. Well, they wasn't up to last week. Now they can leave the rooms, but they can only walk the hallway and then go right back in the room. You ain't allowed to stop, talk to no one, can't have conversations in the doorways or nothing like that. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's me like they can let you go. It's saying they'll be in while you're here with mom. you got to stay in her room, mm -hmm. you know, with her. And then we'll take you out. I don't know why they... I, I, I thought that a long time ago. they their reasons. Yeah, yeah. Even the stuff you drop off, if it's not perishable, they hold it up there for 48 hours to make sure that there's nothing on it. So they're just being super, super cautious. Uh, continue to keep Marilyn's brother-in-law in your prayer. I was talking to her before class uh, about him and his condition. So continue to keep them. Is there anything else? Still? Oh, I didn't know she was in the hospital. Oh. Not well at all. Very confused, I said. 
St. Joe. Is that my meaning? She has to be with yeah, her condition. How's your mama doing with her being over her too? Uh, my, my mother? Yeah. Yeah, she's still, she's got Alzheimer's so bad. She, she they said now that she can't get up out of the chair or even go to the bathroom, and they had to help her up. And they're asking me to uh, call the doctor and see if we can get a lift chair where she could get they can, she could get herself up. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be before she, they won't keep her there. But, I haven't gotten emails from them. I, I don't get emails from them, so. But uh, that may be the common areas that mom was talking about and stuff, so. <clears throat> uh, but, but keep all those in your prayers and in your thoughts, and I, I know you will anyway, but just really lift them up in prayer. If there's not anything else, uh, let's go ahead and go to God in prayer, and then we'll start our class. <clears throat> and most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, dear Lord our God, Lord, we thank you so much for being able to gather once again with our family here, Lord, at this church. Lord, we ask for your continued blessings that you would, Lord, help us to divide the scriptures rightly. Lord, to let us gain and grow in wisdom and insight into the scriptures and better how to put them into practice in our lives. And Lord, we just lift up all those that was mentioned here and those that wasn't mentioned, Lord, that are going through sickness and difficulties and different things, Lord, and that you would break, <clears throat> place your healing hand upon them. Go with us now, Lord, for the further exercise of this service. May it all be found pleasing in thy sight. For in Christ's name we ask this and pray. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry I keep coughing or clearing my throat. I found out I got allergies. They put me on uh, something. I don't forget what it is. A leg or 180. It's helped some, but I still have to clear my throat quite often. So just, just bear with me, please. <clears throat> uh, today we'll start our group study. Uh, and I'm just going to continue to pick this up whenever we meet back here and there and I, and I teach. But we're going to start a group study on the, uh, probably the best known, uh, least understood, that is the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount, rather. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount immediately after his uh, baptism and his temptation. Jesus began his public ministry. Uh, telling people that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, spreading the good news, telling other, telling everyone to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. We see that in Matthew four seventeen, and he spread it everywhere he went in the synagogues, in the in the deserts, everywhere. We see that in Matthew four twenty three, and it is in the context of this uh, of this mission or this this uh, that the Sermon on the Mount is placed. It uh, portrays the repentance. 
That is the complete mind change and life change that Jesus had been uh, and John had been talking about. And the righteousness which belonged to the kingdom. That is to say that it describes what human life and community look like when they come under the gracious rule of God. And what do they look like? Well, they look different. Jesus emphasizes that his followers were to be entirely different from the rest of the world. To me, the key verse to the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 6 and 8 when Jesus says, Do not be like them. And it's very remnant of what God said all the way back in Leviticus 18.3 where he says, You must not do as they do. Uh, It is the same call to be different. And throughout the sermon, this is uh, this talk and his command is elaborated upon. <clears throat> the character or the Beatitudes was to be completely different from the rest of the world. They were to shine like lights, as we'll see here at one part of it, in the midst of a prevailing darkness. Every single paragraph in the sermon draws a sharp contrast between Christians and the non-Christian standards. Is his nearest thing to a manifesto that we'll see Jesus uh, put out. As I said, almost every single Christian or every single person that's heard of Jesus' Nazareth knows at least some part, if not all, of these Beatitudes. Their simplicity of word and yet their depth of insight and thought and knowledge have continued to attract fresh followers and continue to be fresh to us. I know me, myself, even though I've, I bet I've heard them a thousand times. I've been coming to church ever since I was crawling under the pews with Grandma and Grandpa. And there's no telling how many times I've heard them or read them, but yet they continue to be fresh to me. They're never boring or, or lifeless. Because the more we explore their implications, the more they seem to remain unexplored. Yet there seems to be more and more for us to get. It's like it's inexhaustible. Uh, and with that, we'll go ahead, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and here in just a minute we'll go ahead and start our reading. But before that, what types of people does the world consider to be blessed or fortunate? Just normally, what does the world consider to be a blessed or, or fortunate person? Like rich or famous. Rich, famous. Healthy. Healthy. Someone that uh, seems like good things always happen to. Yeah. I had a co-worker I work like that. He could fall backwards, and if he did, he'd be into a pile full of money. I mean, he just everything he did, just I mean, you just didn't know what to do with it. But, but yeah, that's what the world thinks of. But let's see what God says about that. Uh, someone go ahead and read verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Then he was talking about that just a minute ago. Deb and I went to Middlesbrough yesterday with Will, and uh, it's this home of Lee Majors. Of course, Lee Majors was the movie star. And, uh, but when he, before he was born, as his mother was expecting him, his daddy died, got killed in an accident. And then after he was two, his mother got killed in an accident. So a terrible start. Uh, he lived in some other state. Anyway, some relatives adopted him and brought him to Middlesbrough. He was raised in Middlesbrough. Went to Eastern College on a football scholarship. Hurt his back the first time he played football hurt bad and paralyzed him for two weeks. This is kind of an interesting story. Anyway, paralyzed himself for two weeks and then he uh, gets better, but they said you can't play more football. So he turned to acting. Well, then he became incredibly famous as an actor. But after he got out of college, he must have been such a good football player that the St. Louis Cardinals drafted him to uh, play football for them. 
even though he hadn't really played in college. Yeah. But anyway, he turned out he did not do that, but he came a movie star and uh, I guess became incredibly famous from that, you know, from the $6 million man. But it seemed like you're saying he had a kind of a tough start, but it seemed like things lined. He clearly was an incredible athlete and he clearly was, you know, I don't know how good an athlete was, but he made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Let's say that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He, yeah. But so like, it's like the guy that falls back in the pile of money you're talking about, you know. Lee Majors had a lot of gifts, you know, when he checks the box as far as the world goes. He's still alive, he's 81 or something. But that's kind of a fascinating story, you know. Uh, that a little guy starts out so rough and then has all these opportunities like that. Uh, but we, we look at it wrong, certainly. We, uh, we look at the wrong things. Uh, I, I just I didn't mean to get sidetracked. That's right. I apologize. No. <laughs> But yeah, it's, that's, that's, like we said, that's what the world sees as someone who's always very successful. But like I said, we'll, we'll go ahead and take a look at what God sees as successful, or blessed rather. Go ahead and read verses 1 through 12. He seen more there as he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught him, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revive, reveal, and persecute, and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Alright, so now in light of what Jesus says is blessed, how does the normal description of blessed or fortunate person compare with what Jesus considers to be blessed? Looks like the exact complete opposite. Uh, here Jesus says the poor, the meek, the humble, the sick, all these things that we would think, well, you know, that's nothing to do with being blessed or fortunate. But Jesus says that's because we've got it backwards. We're looking at it wrong. To be poor in spirit is to acknowledge our spiritual poverty, that is our bankruptcy before God. So why is this individual uh, or this, this person... Uh, this indispensable condition for receiving the kingdom of God. Why is it so important if you want to receive the kingdom of God, you have to be poor in spirit? Because you're totally dependent upon God. And God rules in your life. Yeah. Everything that you have is from God. That's, that's it because you, you know, whereas the scribes and Pharisees we see throughout there, they thought they, I don't need God. I've got myself. I've got all these things. So, they had no reliance on anything. So here, as Melvina was saying, when you acknowledge that, then you, you know that you have to have God or you're locked. there's no other way you're going to be that way. So if you don't have that to start off with, then there's, there's really nowhere for you to go. And so... I, I heard, a, I guess it's a preacher or something one time. It's been a long time ago. But they said, uh, they look around at... Their friends will come over to their house and they look around. They've got a nice home. They've got a swimming pool. They've got a new car. And they've got a boat. And they say, God has really blessed me. And uh, they said, we probably don't need to say that, you know. Uh, and we do say it all the time. Yes, I've really been blessed, you know. I've, I've been blessed with a good wife and good kids, you know, and all this stuff. And then, But that, that implies that this poor person over here that don't have any of those things, 
God does not bless him. And I, I agree with that statement. It, it's something we say all the time that we probably, maybe not, we need to say that or not, you know. Um, God is, he's really been good to me because clearly thinks I'm special, you know. Uh, this guy over here must not think as much as him because he, he's not, he don't have all the stuff that I've got, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's what, it's what it kind of comes across as, you know, if we're not careful. And these, these Beatitudes are contradictory to that, you know, blessed are the poor spirit. It's like no means that. Now, this guy may live in a shack. He may not have a new car. He may not have a car at all. But he may have the right spirit and he'd be, you know, in the kingdom of God. Uh, we certainly see that with the, with the thief on the cross. Uh, Jesus says today, you'll be with me in paradise. Well, this guy, he didn't have much going for him, okay? I don't know what his past was, but he wound up a thief and he wound up hanging on the cross, which is a pretty bad ending for anybody. But he's going to be in the paradise with Jesus later, later that day. Uh, so I think we probably need to be careful when we say that, you know. And, and when we imply, us as people in India, God bless them, they're feel bad for them and stuff like that. But we've really been blessed over here, you know. And, and God loves America most, and he loves us white people the most, and, you know. Don't you, don't you think we say that? I think we tend to associate material possessions a lot with blessings, and and that's not always the case. Yes, they're nice to have, and they're very handy, but that is no indication of if you're blessed by God or not. Uh, I was telling Mavina, I was reading on one of the news sites there that if you make over thirty thousand, if you make thirty thousand dollars or more, then you're you're the top richest one percent of the world. Thirty thousand or more, you're the top richest one percent of the entire world. And we just think of that in America as, no, well, you make that, well, that ain't very good, you know. But it's, we don't realize how blessed we are, or not, like you said, not blessed, but fortunate we are. But just because someone makes $10,000 a year doesn't mean they're any less blessed than the person that's making 50 or 60. It's no indication of that. Go ahead, Josh. Well, I agree with kind of what you're saying, but at the same time, if you look at the parable of the talents, Jesus blessed all of them, and how they chose to carry it out could cause the future actions of your blessings. I mean, I would tend to say that we are very blessed in this country. God has allowed us to be born here. He's allowed us to have the ability to work, and we need to thank Him for that. And not everybody's situation uh, is the same, but at the same time, we're all born in America for citizens here. How you choose to handle that blessing determines the future of it. I mean, does that make sense? <clears throat> yeah, some people are a little more wiser financially than others, and that, that certainly does allow them to handle it better. Abraham, you know, was wealthy. To, so just because you are wealthy doesn't mean anything bad, but it's not a sign of being blessed. There's a lot of other people who are, have nothing who are a lot more happier or, or spiritual than us. Well, and I think we probably need to look at this as well, thinking that we might not need to assume what a blessing actually really is a blessing. Um, you know, we would look, we tend to think about, well, I, you know, I've really been blessed by God. Well, I don't know if you ever not. Like, you know, whoever bestows the blessing is who's actually blessing you. We don't have that interaction with God to know that. And, and you know, we don't usually say that, I've been blessed by God with all the neighbors, like you said, here's verses 3 through 10, that's, or I guess they're 12 or 11, that is, um, you know, these the, the blessed are the poor in spirit, you know. 
Um, I, I, I guess we've been blessed for our situation, but you know, to, to me, everyone has been blessed. You know, the, the man with the talents, you know, the three, the, 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 the five, the two, and the one talent, you know, the, whatever that guy had, he didn't use to the best of his ability. And, and I think a lot of times we talk about how people talk about how blessed they are. Oh, I've got this or that. We're not using it for anything. So, Josh, I'm kind of feedback on what you said right there. That's not much of a blessing, you know, if you give me all this and I don't do anything to benefit the kingdom. And, and I'm assuming that that's, you know, fortune and blessings are sometimes two completely different things, yeah. like you just said. And, and I think we're presumptuous sometimes if we're trying to say we know what God's ways actually are. Right. Paul says he's learned to be content when he's well off and when he has nothing. That's exactly and that, that's what we're trying to get here. Yeah. And if the lesson is that if you have more, then you're more grateful, that's wrong. You can have nothing to be very grateful for. It. And it's, it's really in attitude and perception. Yeah. I know lots of people that are well off who are not thankful or grateful for it at all. So it's all about, and like she said, about your gratitude for it. So why is it so difficult for people to admit our spiritual poverty. Why is it so difficult to, in our society, to be spiritually poor or, or to admit you're needing Jesus is kind of looked down upon? Uh, why would that be? What, what, what makes it hard for us to admit that? We ain't feeling better than anyone. And it's not the weakness, maybe so. In all places in this world, America will not admit weakness. That's just against our nature. Okay? We're not weaker than the Indians. Y'all are in the way, drive them out. You know, we you know, it, it, back in the in the in the frontier. And we are not weaker than Japan. We'll quit if we have to. We're not weaker than Germany. We'll quit if we that's just our nature. I don't know why. And I think it will be it will make it difficult for us on the judgment day because we have this chip on our shoulder that we're bad cats. And you can't mess with us. We do. We, it's, it's the world that we live in here. You don't mess with us. We'll take care of it, you know, uh, because we're American. And uh, it's going to be hard for us to uh, enter the kingdom, I think, because of that. Because, and, and I like that confidence. You know, I can't help but like it. Uh, and I think we all do, you know, that, that our military is powerful, you know, and things such as that. But it, I don't know if it's Christ-like or not. I wrestle with this, you know, myself. I wrestle with this. It's being powerful. Uh, Jesus was as powerful. He had all the power in the universe. But he went to the cross as a cause, okay? We, uh, we can give more money to the church, but we need the boat, or we need the fancier car. You know, I, I, I wrestle with this a lot. It, it, it's hard for me because uh, I think we will have a hard time as Americans uh, going to heaven because we are so dependent upon this world. Mm -hmm. You know, people in China, I mean, a lot of China, China Indians, little poor, dirt poor people, they can put all their faith and trust in God because that's all they have. <coughs> We've got 55 million other things, you know, in our pocket. We got, and most people in the United States 
most people, they want God kind of up here in the corner. Now, you read you right there when cancer comes or heart disease comes, I'm going to pull you out of the corner. But you stay over there, and I don't want to go to church, and I don't want to contribute, and I don't want to do this. But when I need you, I'll call you. And uh, so I think we, we're going to, it's going to be hard for us. I struggle with that. The Bible also refers to that like stiff neckedness a lot. And, you know, always got your head up. You don't ever want to bow or humble yourself down. And I think a lot of it has to do with pride. We hate to admit that we need help is what, what Daniel was saying or that we failed or that we're weak is what you're saying. Uh, we don't want others to see our faults. We try to constantly cover them up. It's like when you've got a little blemish on your face. The women, you know, put a lot of makeup on there. Well, well yeah, you, you know, the person that don't know you, yet you fooled them. But you're not fooling yourself, you're not fooling your husband, you're not fooling God or anybody else. And that's kind of what we want to do. We want to hide our, our faults and failings. We want to put that makeup on them and cover them up and walk around like everything's just fine. But, but God says, no, that's the wrong thing to do. He wants us to be humble. And not only for our own self, but for others. When people around you see that you admit to your weakness, your failures, your sins or whatever, then it kind of encourages them to do the same thing. And it wants to try to change the attitude of everyone. What would those who are poor in spirit feel, the, feel or why would rather, would those who are poor in spirit feel the need to mourn? Why would that be an important spirit would make you mourn? It uh, it's why would being poor in spirit make someone mourn? Uh, I know for me, when I sin, at times it, it about brings me to tears because I think about how much I've let God down, how much God loves me, how much He gave for me, how Jesus came to this world to save me and to lead this example and all these other things. And when I sin and mess up, it, it literally breaks my heart, and because I think about. I always get that image of, of Peter when he denies Jesus three times and the Bible says, and Peter looked and saw Jesus looking at him. I can't imagine how that broke Peter. I mean, it would me. Or my mind goes back to maybe mom or dad or something over and they'd say, I'm disappointed in you. Now, they could whoop me all they want to. Hey, don't matter a thing. They learned a long time ago, you could break every paddle, every belt, and it don't bother being price a bit. It don't. But now for them to sit there and say, you really disappointed me, you really let me down, that would tear me all to pieces. Now, Doug was just the opposite. He didn't care what you said to him, just don't beat him. But, but it, just, it, just, it just tore me up. And I, I think that's what it's talking about. Uh, it makes us ashamed. And that's why I think it says that, you know, we, we're mourned. Bless those that are mourned. Uh, those who mourn not only feel sorrow for their own sins, but also for the sins that they see going on around them. What have you seen or heard in the news lately that would cause you to mourn? Right now, it's a loaded, it's a loaded gun. I mean, it's the riots going on. You see these people uh, tearing all these cities and burning it all down. You, you see the, the young man that got killed. Uh, you know, that was horrible. All these things and all these things in the world that's going on causes us all to, to mourn. We see God, and, you know, my mind goes back to where the Bible talks about him, the flood, and repented God that he even made man. And 
you know, that kind of thing kind of makes us sadder for what's going on too. But God will never fail you. That's been the case of every tragedy that's hit America. But this, this one really did kind of worry me because I was afraid as the first thing they wanted to do was close the churches. Now, don't close Walmart, but go ahead and close the churches. And I was very scared that people would get used to being at home and doing home church and everything else. And so that would cause a lot of people to, whenever it was open back up, would cause them not to come back. Uh, I mean, that, not the case obviously is us, but I was concerned for America itself that that would be the case. How do you think that those who mourn will be comforted, as the Bible says? The Bible says those that mourn will be comforted. As Part two of each one of these verses is your spiritual uh, kingdom of heaven, be comforted, inherit the earth, fulfill, obtain mercy. And, and there's 107 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. And think about the fact that verses, the first set of verses that we just read are what Jesus starts with. You know, he didn't step, you know, I don't say a pulpit, it wasn't a pulpit, but he didn't step before the crowd, <clears throat> glad you're here, looking forward to seeing everybody, hope. He immediately steps up and points out the flaw <clears throat> that people would look at. Like, the, you know, the, 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 he, he speaks almost to the, to, to the lesser of the people, if you want to say it that way. But then it says, with each sentence, they're going to be who the beneficiaries are. You know, that's going to be a hard thing to preach to however many people that were standing there in the audience. Because almost immediately you're pointing out the wrong of the people. And most people that are going to speak, you know, when, and, when and preachers, I do the same thing, you stand in front of people. You don't want to immediately point out all the negatives because what's the crowd going to do? They're going to turn. They're going to turn. I mean, why is he saying all this bad uh, about me? But he's saying to these people, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's telling the crowd, the audience, that you've got to be more like these people that in many cases you have no interest in, you've worked against, you know, you, 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 people that are even will become Christians have fought against them or, you know, whatever it might be. And so when we think about, like, there's the kingdom of heaven, they're going to be comforted, you know, 
kind of going back to what we talked about so much this morning already, is we look for where is our comfort on earth, where is our fulfillment. Well, it's never been there. You know, this was 2,000 years ago, and Jesus was saying that it's going to be in heaven. And so we get focused and so many times on why are things better on earth, it never has been. But then we talk so much, to go back to the very beginning, about all the blessings that have been bestowed upon us that we look at as like, boy, the earth is great. Everything we have here is great. But it was never that way. And I, I think to me, that's what the back half of verses 3 through 10 are, is saying that you know, the, the earth will be difficult. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be issues. But there's a reward for you if you can see it that way. Don't put your reward here, but in the later. Right. And here we're going. To, and how does the Bible talks about those being uh, comforted? Someone go to Matthew eleven and twenty eight, and then someone go to Revelations twenty one three and four. And Ben, I think you have to understand that he's talking to Jews here, of people that are beaten down. These people are not victorious. They are not uh, walking around with the swag. You know, they are beaten down. They are being uh, governed by a Roman government that they despise. The Roman government don't care about their religion, don't care about the people, don't care. They're, they're, they're expendable. And Jesus is talking to that bunch of people. Of course, he's talking to us too. But in a sense, we all are the same way. Uh, most, we're talking about government there, government really doesn't care about the people. Government cares about power and money, and that's what they care about, and keeping their spot. Okay? That's, that's most of what government. And if, we, if we're so naive, we believe otherwise, we're probably too naive, you know, because of. Uh, and that's exactly what the Roman government did. That's what the German government did. That's what the American government still did. Not that they're so mean or oppressive. I don't mean that. But they, they're interested in keeping their positions in both sides. You know, the, the thing. But Jesus is talking to a beaten down people. People that are under the mighty arm of Rome. And the chances of them getting out of that, zero. Okay? They can't uprise and overthrow Rome. They cannot do that. Okay? And they will not ever do that. Uh, but Jesus is talking to the inside of man, the spiritual part of man. That's the only way you can overcome. Uh, don't you agree? Yeah. Uh, the slain singing those old <coughs> gospel songs, picking cotton, going to the end of the road that has no end. And you get there, you turn. The only hope they had was heaven. That's the only hope they had. It was not with the master. It was not with the family unit even there in, in their little world that they lived in. Why? Because it could be separated just like that. They had to put their faith and trust because they were beaten down. We have to, even though we may live in a great environment, it's singular. We better put our faith and trust in God. Otherwise, we will be the beaten down person that will be lost. And that's what Jesus is trying to convey. <clears throat> Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So there, there's kind of one idea about how we will be comforted. Jesus says, I will give you rest. I will give you comfort. Like Roy was saying, all this stuff that's going on, don't worry about that. Just come unto me and I will give you rest. And then Revelations 21, verses 3 and 4. We see a promise of when we get to heaven what it will be like. Neither shall there be any more pain for the 
So here we see kind of two different ways we'll be comforted. One is in the here and now. Surrender your life to Jesus and all this other stuff really doesn't, it ceases to matter. It ceases to be important. What's important is your spiritual condition. And Jesus says, I'll give you all that. If you've got a firm foundation of trust on Jesus, then all this stuff going on in the world really doesn't, it hurts you to see the world like that, but it doesn't really bother you because, or not bother, I shouldn't say that. But it really doesn't affect you because your faith and your, your trust and your vision is on Jesus. And then we have, after this life, we see another reward where God himself, you know, the image I get is that God coming and like a mother picking up her child with her napkin or apron and wiping away the tears and just holding it, whatever. That's what we've got to look forward to this after this life. <clears throat> so those are two ways that those who are mourned shall be and will be comforted. Well, John 16, 33, Jesus says, uh, uh, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. The only one who ever defeated the world was Jesus. And we can defeat the world because the world is not our home through Jesus. We have to do it through Jesus. There's no other way. You can have all the money in the world and you're going to leave her behind. Okay? Yep. You can have all the property in the world. You're going to leave it behind. The, the lands that don't make any difference, you are going to leave it behind. Okay? And you have no idea when. It could be tomorrow. It could be tomorrow. You can go to graves of people that died left here super rich before I left. Where's their property? Where's their money? They're gone. It's gone. It's somewhere else. Maybe wasted, whatever. But I don't know why we can't get grasp that. But we seem to have trouble with that. All of us do. We want to hold on to this world. Hold on to this world. And uh, that's ill found to do. Yeah. Well, it really brought me to the realization of material goods. It's kind of like the blessings or whatever. It's, bad. it's like character that Christians should be is the way I've always looked at it. Uh, I haven't got the actual definition. The attitude or characteristics or characters you should have. What I always have looked at or said is what Christian attitudes ought to be. Ought to be. Uh, that's just kind of the way I've always looked at it. How would a... One quick uh, final question here. Uh, how would a true and honest estimate of ourselves lead us to be meek? To have a humble... And for meek it is to have a humble and gentle attitude towards others. So how would an honest estimate of ourselves lead us to be meek or to have that attitude towards others? I always kind of look at it as every one of us sins. 
Every one of us. Me, Roy, Melvina, Daniel, every one of us sins. There, there's not a single person in this building who does not sin. That's it. And when you realize that, and realize that sin is sin in God's eyes. I am no better that hates somebody than the person who goes out here and kills somebody. The person that goes out here and gets drunk is no better than the person that gossips. You know, when you're honestly with yourself and realize that, they sin differently than you do, and that's the only difference. They sin a little bit differently than you do. You're no better off than they are because you're still sinning. Sin is a sin to God. When you realize this, then that kind of lets you or leads you to be a little more gentle towards those people and leads you to have that attitude of meekness towards them. We see in shades of gray, but God, there is no gray shades. We're all sinners. <clears throat> From the world's point of view, who is it uh, or why is it surprising that the meek will inherit the earth? I just think about a football team. You know, you go to watch team A and team B play, and this one team, they say, now how do you describe team A? Well, they're the most meek and humble football players I've ever seen. <coughs> You're probably going to think, they ain't not going to win. That's what you think. Because that's not football. Football is kind of aggressive and rough and mean. Not that you can't be mean, but it's, it's not, it just goes against the nature of it. If someone says, uh, we need somebody <coughs> for our new CEO, and this guy here, he's real aggressive and he's a go-getter and he's, you know, smart thinker and all this stuff. This other guy's very, very mean. Which one's going to become? Probably not the mean guy. Just, it, that's, the, that's the environment in the world we live in. We, we look down on meekness as being a, a bad trait. Jesus says it's a good trait. Uh, and how they inherit the earth is the, it's hard for me to do. Well, and the world looks at it, how do you get ahead? You get ahead by stabbing a guy in the back, climbing over him, whatever it need to, to get up that ladder. Look out for number one, first of all, first and foremost. Take care of yourself and just get everything or whatever. And that's, and that's what the world sees. And so for when Jesus tells these people that, no, you've got the wrong idea. It's the meek that will inherit the earth. A lot of people confuse meekness with weakness, and it's not. <clears throat> meekness is power under control. It's strength under restraint. Jesus Meek and mild, the Bible and the songs tell us and stuff. And he's very well. He's all the power in the world, but he had it in reserve. And that's what meekness is. Uh, meekness says, I've got the rights. I've got the power over you, but I'm going to serve you instead. I've got the right to claim this, but instead, I'm going to let you have it. That, that's meekness. And meekness is looking out for the other person and putting them first. And the world kind of sees, well, there's no way you're going to get ahead like that. But it's not about getting ahead in this world as, as we've all sit here and discussed and talked about and as Jesus is now demonstrating or showing these people. Any other comments or questions about our start here? Uh, you talk about being meekness. People do see it as a weakness and they try to take advantage of it and they try to take advantage of Jesus and he showed them that no, he can't. And that's when he got mad and put the tables over for, because they tried to turn the church into making money and everything else. But Jesus, you know. Sometimes, I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes you, 
have to exercise your abilities to say, hey, I'm still in control. I mean, you're not going to take advantage of it either. One of my favorite examples of, of meekness in the Bible is when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden. And I can't remember which gospel account, but one of them says that Jesus stepped forward and says, who are you seeking? And they said that they say, Jesus Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And the Bible says, and they fell backwards. Well, <clears throat> when you look at the word meaning, it means they fell over like dead men. They, they're, they're paralyzed. And Jesus is showing, look, you didn't come get me. I'm letting you take me. If I didn't want to, you wasn't going to do a thing. And that's Jesus showing, <clears throat> I've got all the power, but I'm going to restrain that in order to get accomplished what I've got to. I appreciate all the comments and appreciate y'all putting up with my coughing and, <laughs> and, my, and my class. Thank you. <clears throat>